Chapter 8 The Ordeal of Richard Feverell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Ordeal of Richard Feverell by George Meredith. Chapter 8 Farmer Blaze was not so astonished at the visit of Richard Feverell as that young gentleman expected him to be. The farmer, seated in his easy chair in the little low-roofed parlor of an old-fashioned farmhouse, with a long clay pipe on the table at his elbow, and a veteran pointer at his feet, had already given audience to three distinguished members of the Feverell blood, who had come separately, according to their accustomed secretiveness, and with one object in the morning it was sir austin himself shortly after his departure arrived austin wentworth close on his heels algernon known about lowburn as the captain popular wherever he was known farmer blaze reclined in considerable elation he had brought these great people to a pretty low pitch he had welcomed them hospitably as a british yeoman should but not budged a foot in his demands, not to the baronet, not to the captain, not to good young Mr. Wentworth. For Farmer Blaze was a solid Englishman, and on hearing from the baronet a frank confession of the hold he had on the family, he determined to tighten his hold, and only relax it in exchange for tangible advantages, compensation to his pocket, his wounded person, and his still more wounded sentiments, the total indemnity being, in round figures, three hundred pounds, and a spoken apology from the prime offender, young Mr. Richard. Even then there was a reservation, provided, the farmer said, nobody had been tampering with any of his witnesses. In that ease, Farmer Blaze declared the money might go, and he would transport Tom Bakewell, as he had sworn he would and it goes hard too with an accomplice by law added the farmer knocking the ashes leisurely out of his pipe he had no wish to bring any disgrace anywhere he respected the inmates of raynham abbey as in duty bound he should be sorry to see them in trouble only no tampering with his witnesses he was a man for law rank was much money was much but law was more in this country law was above the sovereign to tamper with the law was treason to the realm i come to you direct the baronet explained i tell you candidly what way i discovered my son to be mixed up in this miserable affair i promise you indemnity for your loss and an apology that shall i trust satisfy your feelings assuring you that to tamper with witnesses is not the province of a feverel all i ask of you in return is not to press the prosecution at present it rests with you i am bound to do all that lies in my power for this imprisoned man how and wherefore my son was prompted to suggest or assist in such an act i cannot explain for i do not know hum said the farmer i think i do you know the cause sir austin stared i beg you to confide it to me least i can put in nigh neighbour it with a guess said the farmer we ain't good friends sir austin me and your son just now not to say cordial 
ah you see sir austin i'm a man as don't like young gentlemen a-poachin on his grounds without his permission in special when birds is plentiful on their own it appear he do like it consequently i has to flick this whip as them fellers at the races all in this air rings mine as much as to say and who's been hit he's had a fair warning i'm sorry for it but that's just the case sir austin retired to communicate with his son when he should find him algernon's interview passed off in ale and promises he also assured farmer blaze that no feverel could be affected by his proviso no less did austin wentworth the farmer was satisfied money safe i know said he now for the apology said farmer blaze thrust his legs further out and his head further back the farmer naturally reflected that the three separate visits had been conspired together still the baronet's frankness and the baronet's not having reserved himself for the third and final charge puzzled him he was considering whether they were a deep or a shallow lot when young richard was announced a pretty little girl with the roses of thirteen springs in her cheeks and abundant beautiful bright tresses tripped before the boy and loitered shyly by the farmer's armchair to steal a look at the handsome newcomer she was introduced to richard as the farmer's niece lucy desborough the daughter of a lieutenant in the royal navy and what was better though the farmer did not pronounce it so loudly a real good girl neither the excellence of her character nor her rank in life tempted richard to inspect the little lady he made an awkward bow and sat down the farmer's eyes twinkled her father he continued fought and fell for his country a man as fights for its country a right to hold up his head ay with any in the land desbras or dorset do you know that family master feverel richard did not know them and by his air did not desire to become acquainted with any offshoot of that family she can make puddings and pies the farmer went on regardless of his auditor's gloom she's a lady as good as the best of em i don't care about their being catholics the desboroughs or dorset are gentlemen and she's good for the piano too she strums to me of evenings i'm for the old tunes she's for the new gal like while she's with me she shall be taught things useful she can parlez-vous a good un and foot it as it goes been in france a couple of year i prefer the singing of it to the talking of it come loose tune up eh you won't that song about the Viffendier, a female farmer blaze volunteered the translation of the title who wears the you guess what and marches along with the french soldiers a pretty brazen bit of goods i should fancy mademoiselle lucy corrected her uncle's french but objected to do more the handsome cross boy had almost taken away her voice for speech as it was and sing in his company she could not so she stood a hand on her uncle's chair to stay herself from falling while she wriggled a dozen various shapes of refusal and shook her head at the farmer with fixed eyes aha laughed the farmer dismissing her they soon learn the difference twixt the young un and the old un go along loose and larn your lessons for to-morrow reluctantly the daughter of the royal navy glided away her uncle's head followed her to the door where she dallied to catch a last impression of the young stranger's lowering face and darted through farmer blaze laughed and chuckled 
she ain't so fond of her uncle as that every day not that she ain't a good nurse the kindest little soul you'd meet of a winter's walk she'll read to ye and make drinks and sing too if you likes it and she won't be tired and obstinate good and she be bless her the farmer may have designed by these eulogies of his niece to give his visitor time to recover his composure and establish a common topic his diversion only irritated and confused our shame-eaten youth richard's intention had been to come to the farmer's threshold to summon the farmer thither and in a loud and haughty tone then and there to take upon himself the whole burden of the charge against tom bakewell he had strayed during his passage to belthorpe somewhat back to his old nature and his being compelled to enter the house of his enemy sit in his chair and endure an introduction to his family was more than he bargained for he commenced blinking hard in preparation for the horrible dose to which delay and the farmer's cordiality added inconceivable bitters farmer blaze was quite at his ease nowise in a hurry he spoke of the weather and the harvest of recent doings up at the abbey glanced over that year's cricketing hoped that no future feverel would lose a leg to the game richard saw and heard arson in it all he blinked harder as he neared the cup in a moment of silence he seized it with a gasp mr blaze i have come to tell you that i am the person who set fire to your rick the other night an odd consternation formed around the farmer's mouth he changed his posture and said ay that's what you're come to tell me sir yes said richard firmly and that be all yes richard reiterated the farmer again changed his posture then me lad you come to tell me a lie farmer blaze looked straight at the boy undismayed by the dark flush of ire he had kindled you dare to call me a liar cried richard starting up i say the farmer renewed his first emphasis and smacked his thigh thereto that's a lie richard held out his clenched fist you have twice insulted me you have struck me you have dared to call me a liar i would have apologized i would have asked your pardon to have got off that fellow in prison yes i would have degraded myself that another man should not suffer for my deed quite proper interposed the farmer and you take this opportunity of insulting me afresh you're a coward sir nobody but a coward would have insulted me in his own house sit ye down sit ye down young master said the farmer indicating the chair and cooling the outburst with his hand sit ye down don't ye be hasty if ye hadn't been hasty the other day we should have been friends yet sit ye down sir i should be sorry to reckon you out a liar mr feverell or anybody o your name i respects your father though we're opposite politics i'm willing to think well o you what i say is that as ye say ain't the truth mind i don't like ye none the worse for it but it ain't what is that's all ye knows it as well as i richard disdaining to show signs of being pacified angrily receded himself the farmer spoke sense and the boy after his late interview with austin had become capable of perceiving vaguely that a towering passion is hardly the justification for a wrong course of conduct come continued the farmer not unkindly what else have you to say here was the same bitter cup 
he had already once drained brimming at richard's lips again alas poor human nature that empties to the dregs a dozen of these evil drinks to evade the single one which destiny less cruel had insisted upon the boy blinked and tossed it off i came to say that i regretted the revenge i had taken on you for your striking me farmer blaze nodded and now you've done young gentlemen still another cupful i should be very much obliged richard formally began but his stomach was turned he could but sip and sip and gather a distaste which threatened to make the penitential act impossible very much obliged he repeated much obliged if you would be so kind and it struck him that had he spoken this at first he would have given it a wording more persuasive with the farmer and more worthy of his own pride more honest in fact for a sense of the dishonesty of what he was saying caused him to cringe and simulate humility to deceive the farmer and the more he said the less he felt his words and feeling them less he inflated them more so kind he stammered so kind fancy a feveral asking this big brute to be so kind as to do me the favour me the favour to exert yourself it's all to please austin to endeavour to hem to there's no saying it the cup was full as ever richard dashed at it again what i came to ask is whether you would have the kindness to try what you could do what an infamous shame to have to beg like this do to save do to ensure whether you would have the kindness it seemed out of all human power to gulp it down the draught grew more and more abhorrent to proclaim one's iniquity to apologize for one's wrongdoing thus much could be done but to beg a favour of the offended party that was beyond the self-abasement any feverel could consent to pride however whose inevitable battle is against itself drew aside the curtains of poor tom's prison crying a second time behold your benefactor and with the words burning in his ears richard swallowed the dose well then i want you mr blaze if you don't mind will you help me to get this man bakewell off his punishment to do farmer blaze justice he waited very patiently for the boy though he could not quite see why he did not take the gate at the first offer oh said he when he heard and had pondered on the request hum ah we'll see about it to-morrow but if he's innocent you know we shan't make him guilty it was i did it richard declared the farmer's half-amused expression sharpened a bit so young gentlemen and you're sorry for the night's work i shall see that you are paid the full extent of your losses thank ye said the farmer dryly and if this poor man is released to-morrow i don't care what the amount is farmer blaze deflected his head twice in silence bribery one motion expressed corruption the other now said he leaning forward and fixing his elbows on his knees while he counted the case at his fingers ends excuse the liberty but wishin to know where this air's money to come from i should like jest ask if so be sir austin know o this 
"'My father knows nothing of it,' replied Richard. The farmer flung back in his chair. "'Lie number two, said his shoulders, soured by the British aversion to being plotted at, and not dealt with openly. "'And ye've the money already, young gentleman. I shall ask my father for it. "'And he'll hand it out?' "'Certainly he will.' Richard had not the slightest intention of ever letting his father into his counsels. "'A good three hundred pounds, you know,' the farmer suggested. No consideration of the extent of damages and the size of the sum affected young Richard, who said boldly, "'He will not object when I tell him I want that sum.' It was natural Farmer Blaze should be a trifle suspicious that a youth's guarantee would hardly be given for his father's readiness to disperse, such a thumping bill, unless he had previously received his father's sanction and authority. "'Hum,' said he, "'why not have told him before?' The farmer threw an objectionable shrewdness into his query that caused Richard to compress his mouth and glance high. Farmer Blaze was positive twas a lie. "'Hum, ye still hold to it ye fired the rick?' he asked. "'The blame is mine,' quoth Richard, with the loftiness of a patriot of old Rome. Na, na, the straightforward Briton put him aside. Ye did it, or ye didn't do it. Did ye do it, or no? Thrust in a corner, Richard said, I did it. Farmer Blaze reached his hand to the bell. It was answered in an instant by little Lucy, who received orders to fetch in a dependent at Belthorpe, going by the name of the Bantam and made her exit as she had entered with her eyes on the young stranger. "'Now,' said the farmer, "'these be my principles. I'm a plain man, Mr. Ferrell. Above board with me and you'll find me handsome. Try to circumvent me and I'm an ugly customer. I'll show you I've no animosity. Your father pays. You apologize. That's enough for me. Let Tom Bakewell have fight it out with the law, and I'll look on. The law wasn't on the spot, I suppose.' So the law ain't much witness, but I am. Leastwise the bantam is. I tell you, young gentleman, the bantam sought. It's no more use whatever you're denying that evidence. And where's the good, sir, I ask? What comes of it? Whether it be you or whether it be Tom Bakewell, ain't all one? If I holds back, ain't it similar? It's the truth I want. And here it comes, added the farmer, as Miss Lucy ushered in the bantam, who presented a curious figure for that rare divinity to enliven. End of chapter 8